0: Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Greg Peterson here, and welcome to the 309th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where we work together, educating and inspiring you to become part of your food revolution. Raising farm animals in your backyard is not just rewarding, it's actually easier than you think, especially when you have Kari Spencer to help get you prepared. Just text CHICKENS to 33444. Or visit BackyardAnimals.com and you will receive our free webinar on how to raise chickens, goats, and more. Promote biodiversity and put your backyard animals to work. Today on our podcast, we have someone who wants to help kids get comfortable in the hatchery. We're talking with returning guest Lisa Steele about hatching chicks and raising chickens with your kids. Lisa is a fifth-generation chicken keeper, top-selling author, and the creative mind behind the Better Homes and Gardens award-winning blog, Fresh Eggs Daily. You can find her at Fresheggsdaily.com. Lisa inspires both the newcomer as well as the seasoned chicken keeper and engages fans worldwide on her Facebook page of the same name with her easy, fun, and accessible approach to raising backyard flocks naturally. She is the author of several books and has a new one for kids coming out the first quarter of 2018 called Let's Hatch Chicks by Voyager Press. Welcome back to the show, Lisa. Are you ready to rock?
1: Hi, Greg. Thanks for having me back.
0: Excellent. So we got to know you when you joined us for our eighth and our 224th episodes, where you shared about raising chickens and ducks, then about gardening with chickens. Today, we're going to talk with you about getting kids involved in raising chickens. But first, can you tell us a little bit about what you've been up to lately?
1: Sure. Yeah. So as you mentioned, I I have a couple of other books out and in between taking care of our chickens and ducks and our farm and gardening and keeping up my Facebook page and my blog, I discovered I really do like writing books. So I've just kind of been focusing on that for the last couple of years. And I'm super excited about this new book out because it is a kid's book. So it's a little bit different than the previous books I've written.
0: So when you say kid's book, this is an actual illustrated children's book?
1: So it is. It it was really fun because the illustrator that we found who happens to raise chickens, he lives in France, and he has chickens of his own. So he kind of gets them and gets their mannerisms and and their looks and that. I sent him photographs of my chickens, my coop, my baby chicks, and he turned them into illustrations, which is really fun. I think the book, it's not coming out till January, as you mentioned, so they're still putting the finishing touches on it. But as far as I know, it's for like the K through three age group. So like five years old to eight years old is kind of where the text is focused but obviously you know smaller children parents could read to them and i hope that older children even all the way up to adults will enjoy the book just because it really is a really cute book and we tried to make it educational as well as as fun for the kids
0: how cool is that i have some kids books on the shelf here at the urban farm (laughs) so i'm sure that us older kids will want to take a look at it as well. So what prompted you to write a children's book?
1: I think kind of everyone goes through the same progression when they start raising chickens, you know, their, their first couple batches they buy from the feed store, or, you know, they order online, or they buy older chickens, and then they start to get brave. And they say, you know what, I think I want to hatch some chicks of my own, I, you know, and, and then once you get the hatching bug, you're addicted. And all you want to do every spring is hatch chicks. So I've done it, you know, a couple of years now, a bunch of batches. And I mean, I get bored waiting for the three weeks for those eggs to hatch, you know, uh-huh. Yeah, every day morning you wake up and you look at your eggs and nothing's happened. I mean, three weeks is a long time when you're waiting for those eggs to hatch. And I thought, if I get bored, I can imagine how the kids feel, you know, whether they're hatching in a classroom or a 4-H club or FFA or, you know, a, on their homestead or, or their parents are hatching the eggs. And I wanted to write a book where it would be a companion book. So the kids would actually have something to do for those three weeks where they could learn, you know, what's going on in the egg. And, you know, so, so you don't just look at that egg and go, oh my God, it looks the same as yesterday. You know, they kind of got an idea of how it turned from just a yolk basically inside the egg to a baby chicken in the three weeks. So that was kind of the premise of the book. And like I kind I hope adults who are bored with hatching will also enjoy the book because it gives you something to do while you're waiting for those eggs to hatch. Right. So, so that was kind of the premise behind it. And so, you know, part of the book is really detailing what's happening each day for those 21 days. There's really nothing out there, you know, on the market, unbelievably. I mean, because it's kind of a basic concept, but what's happening each day, Uh um, day one through 21. And then, then throughout, you know, I've sprinkled some kind of, do you know, I mean, kids love those fun, random facts, you know, that just have like nothing to do with anything, but they're like, Hey, did you know that some chickens have five toes and your kids are like, Ooh, you know, they can tell everyone at the playground or whatever. There's kind of like fun little trivia throughout. And then also some information about you know, setting up the brooder. If you're using an incubator, we follow Violet, the chicken, who wants to hatch eggs. That's kind of the main storyline. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, not everyone's hatching under a chicken. So I also wanted to talk about, you know, if you're doing it in an incubator in your classroom, in your house, or sometimes the mom hatches the chicks and then decides she doesn't want to be a mom anymore. <laughs> you know, right. there's bad things out there. And then you have to toss them in a brooder under a heat lamp. So I did like the parallel story there too, which is amazing. I mean, books are only like 40 pages long. I feel like we jam-packed a lot of information into it.
0: Wow. Here's one of the amazing things for me is that there's not a book out there detailing this. You found a niche here that's incredible.
1: I was surprised too. I mean, before, you know, when you pitch a book to your editor, they want you to kind of list what competing books are out there because they don't want it something so unique that nobody's interested and nobody's going to buy it, but they don't want a book that's already been written. So I really did a lot of research and bought a bunch of kids' books and there are a lot out there about like, where does this chicken come from? But there really wasn't anything that detailed the day by day, which I think was the catch that, you know, my. editor was like love the idea there's a lot of charts that show the embryo each day so I would imagine they would gross kids out or maybe not kids like gross things but that's about as the closest I could find was the charts that show the embryo each day and we didn't go that route we did more of you know what's actually happening like what's growing today what's developing today what's going on in there
0: wow cool so Lisa what are the benefits of hatching chicks under a chicken versus an incubator
1: Okay. That's a great question. And it really, I mean, I've done it both ways. It all comes down to if you have a chicken that's willing to cooperate. Sometimes you want to hatch and a chicken is not sitting. You can't really force them to sit on eggs. Mm -hmm. What I like to do is line up where I'm going to get my eggs from. If you have a rooster, obviously your eggs are going to be fertile. If you can line up some eggs and get those under the chicken, when she decides to sit, it's perfect because she keeps them warm. She turns them. You don't have to do anything. Basically she does everything. And then once they hatch, She keeps them warm. She shows them how to eat and drink. You know, she kind of takes them out in the yard and, you know, tells them when a hawk flies by or whatever, that that's danger. But the biggest benefit to hatching under a chicken is the whole integration thing. I don't know if you've ever added new chickens to your flock. Yep. And it's this huge, like, we want to kill each other. You got to fence them and you got to, it's horrible. Well, when they hatch under the chicken, they're basically part of the flock as soon as they hatch. I mean, I've had chicks that are three days old wandering around with my grown chickens and my ducks and if they hatch in the coop under a chicken, nobody pays any mind to them. That's how farms used to do it. Right. Farmers have all these different pens and fences and everything. The chick the chickens just hatch under the chicken, they hop out of the nest and boom, they're integrated. I mean it's fascinating because I mean, you know, you cannot get chicks from a feed store and just like toss them into your flock. Oh, yeah. Well, heat lamp and the the brooder in the house and the mess and the dirt and the dust. And it's just so much easier to hatch under the chicken. But the thing there is you have to have a chicken who's going to cooperate and they don't always at the right time.
0: Right. So, could you get some day old chicks and put them under a broody chicken?
1: You can. That's a great question. If you're planning on doing that, I would leave some eggs under the chicken. You know, let her go for a week or so. Uh-huh. Make sure she's really dedicated and she's going to sit. And then, yes, you can go to the feed store, get some chicks. Some people recommend putting them under her at night. I don't recommend that because unless you're going to be there the next morning right at sunrise, yep. things could go really badly. Or during the night, she might decide she's not going to take them. She'll talk. Them out of the nest and they'll freeze to death. So I just like to do it during the day. I mean, you don't need to trick her. Just show her the chick. You know, start to put it under her, and you can tell right away. I mean, she'll make little cooing noises. She'll kind of tuck it underneath her. As soon as she does that, you know that she's going to take to them, and then just pull the eggs out. She's got an instant flock of baby chicks.
0: Wow, that is a great idea.
1: That's kind of like the hack way, it's like the layman's way of hatching chicks.
0: Yeah. Well, one of the problems with raising chicks from eggs for us city folks is that 50% of those chickens are going to be boys. And how do you address that?
1: That is the one downside to hatching is that statistically, you know, half are going to be roosters, half are going to be hens. And that's never going to work in any coop environment or run environment. I mean, you just can't have the same number of roosters as chickens. So on farms in the olden days, obviously they would put the roosters in the freezer for food Mm -hmm. and they would keep hens, you know, maybe keep one rooster every couple of years, get a new young rooster for your flock. That's the one downside to hatching. And that results in a lot of roosters shelters, you know, rescues being abandoned, you know, out here we can have as many roosters as we want, but I really don't want more than one. I don't even really want The reality of it is that most of them will get eaten and you just kind of have to
0: take a deep breath.
1: Yeah. People want to do this whole like homesteading thing, you know, in air quotes. And if you're going to do it, you have to realize that loss and death and predators and culling roosters, it becomes part of it.
0: Yeah, part of, you know, farm life, I guess, right?
1: Right. But like you mentioned, if you go get the baby chicks or if you order chicks online, you know, you can order all females and then you can slip them under your hen, And now your ratio is a lot better because you basically bought the females.
0: So- What's the difference between starting from chicks and starting from adult birds, or I guess pullets is what we like to call them.
1: Right. So I've only done the pullet thing one time. I had a breed that I just really, really wanted. Somebody nearby, a local breeder, was selling them three months old or four months old, whatever, just about at the point of lay. And I bought them those three chickens I ended up selling them. They were never as friendly as ones that I've raised from chicks. I don't recommend it. I think you'll be disappointed. I think that starting with chicks, it's not difficult. I think people kind of get, you know, nervous about it, but it really isn't hard and you'll end up with far healthier chickens because you know what they're eating and how they're being raised and they're going to be so much friendlier. Yeah,
0: so Heidi, my sweetheart, hand-raised, we have 13 Well, they're adult chickens now, and they'll come up and jump in her lap, very friendly, as opposed to the six adults that we have that I raised before Heidi showed up that are pretty skittish. So that's one of the big bonuses of raising them from chicks is that, you know, they're much friendlier.
1: For sure. And handling them a lot. I mean, I read a lot of stuff online that says, don't handle the chicks. Don't pick them up. Don't play with them. Don't this, don't that. And I feel like you need to handle them as much as you can. I mean, they need to stay warm. So like short little trips out of the brooder, or, or even if they're under the mother hen, I'll reach under her. I'll take a chick, hold it in my hand for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. It's really important, obviously, to, you know, wash your hands afterwards and not put your hands in your mouth, your eyes, whatever, for the whole salmonella thing. But I think that handling your chicks and chickens and pullets and all that is super important.
0: Yeah. It really has them be much more pets i think that way yes
1: yes and that's really important i mean even if you know you're not going to name them all they're not going to be like lap chickens you know there comes a time when you need to catch your chickens whether you know you think one might have you know something wrong with them Mm -hmm. or if a predator comes in your yard whatever and if you can call them and handle them and they come to you or you can easily pick them up i mean that becomes really important in other situations other than just that you want them you know to sit on your lap
0: right so what about feeding chickens you know what do we do about getting them the right balanced meals
1: So commercial chicken feed really is the best way to go. I mean, there are recipes out there online for homemade chicken feeds and that. I don't really recommend that. I mean, I think it's difficult to get the ratios right. Chickens more than other animals that you might raise because they are laying eggs and it takes so many nutrients and energy out of them. They really need a well-balanced diet. So Mm -hmm. I go with the best quality layer feed you can afford. I don't think that if you can't find or can't afford organic feed, that you're a failure, or that you shouldn't raise chickens, or that the eggs aren't going to be more nutritious. I think organic's better, but I don't think it's necessary if you can't find it or afford it or whatever. Also, letting your chickens out in your yard and let them eat grass and weeds and bugs and herbs and stuff out of your garden, and I give them kitchen scraps, table scraps. I mean, I I try to give them a varied, healthy diet. You know, whole grains, lots of fish and meat scraps, fruits, vegetables, kind of the way like we ourselves should be eating, but usually don't. Right. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. That's all good for chickens too.
0: I'll tell you what, I raise soldier flies here at the urban farm, the soldier fly grubs. And when I come up with a bucket of soldier fly grubs, the chickens go nuts.
1: Though That's interesting you mentioned that. I went down to Texas A&M earlier this year to visit their entomology department. And they're doing lots of studies with the black soldier fly larva because they actually have lots of calcium in them, which the mealworms don't. So the soldier flies are actually actually... actually a better treat or feed supplement or whatever you want to call it than mealworms. And they're actually looking into getting the black soldier fly larva to become the protein source and the calcium source in commercial layer feeds.
0: Oh, wow, really?
1: Right, which is super exciting because chickens love those things. It's also easier for you to grow them. I did mealworms for a while, but they're kind of difficult with the different trays and like they only eat certain things. Like the black soldier fly larva, basically you can throw them in your compost pile. Yep. Like whatever you throw them, they'll eat.
0: I have two black soldier fly bins set up here at the Urban Farm and they pretty much self-run. I throw rotting food, you know, compost in it. You know, this morning I pulled a five gallon bucket of compost out of the soldier fly bin and, and had hundreds of soldier fly in it and i just fed them to the chickens and they just love them
1: that's awesome and that's the other thing they create compost so your byproduct after you take them all out is this wonderful composted material i mean they're looking at cities and towns using them to like in landfills because they compress stuff down like way 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 like they'll eat paper and stuff too big time do you have a little ramp so when the little larvae are ready they walk up the lamp fall right out your chickens can eat them
0: yep self-harvesting absolutely
1: awesome That's cool. That's on my bucket list. That's like a self-feeder for chickens. I love
0: that. Most of them out there, you have to build yourself. So I've built a couple of them over the years. I think there's one commercial one out there. So check it out, Black Soldier Flies. I'm, I'm working on getting some guests on the show talking about Black Soldier Fly larvae. Look for more of that on the podcast. So... What advice do you have for someone just starting out with chickens?
1: Well, obviously, first of all, check your regulations. You know, know what your town laws say, you know, so you don't get into it and spend all this money on a coop and everything and then find out you can't have them or whatever. But find out the regulations, how many you can have, if you need permits and stuff. And then I would say, you know, read some books, read some magazines. There is a ton of information online. I would say just be careful about the source. It's almost like there's too much information now. You know, when I started with chickens like 10 years ago, there wasn't as much. But now it's almost like there's too much information and you can fall down this rabbit hole of, you know, clicking on one link to another link to another link, you know, just use your common sense, you know, talk to your grandmother, if you can talk to somebody who, you know, in your neighborhood who raises chickens, like just get as much as information as you can. They're living things. So you shouldn't be, you know, caught off guard with, you know, like medical issues or health issues, or, you know, you need a first aid kit, like just be prepared. It's easy and it's fun. Anybody can do it. I mean, in a teeny backyard in the middle of the city, you can do it.
0: I'm a big, big, big proponent of if you have a backyard, you should have three or four hens out there. You know, they eat bugs and weeds. In permaculture, we call this stacking function. So they're eating bugs and weeds. They're doing a nice amount of tilling. And they're giving us eggs every day. So they're workers and they're providing a really nice product for us. Exactly. Remind us how you got into chicken keeping, would you?
1: So, sure. So, my grandparents actually were chicken keepers. I mean, like that's what they did in Massachusetts. They had a chicken farm, they sold the eggs and the meat to restaurants and that, and that's how they supported their families. So, I grew up across the street from their farm. They had pretty much, by the time I came along, you know, they were older. So, they were grandparents, <laughs> you know, so they kind of scaled down. But we always had good chickens growing up. Just just a small flock. I kind of was over the whole small town thing by the time I finished high school. So mm-hmm. I went to college and worked on Wall Street for a couple of years. My wow. husband, he was in the Navy. We bounced around. Long story short, we ended up at a farm in Virginia and I started raising chickens. It's that whole full circle thing you're talking about. Right. Yeah. Like, you try to escape it, and then all of a sudden you're back exactly where you started. But it feels right. I mean, this is what I was meant to do, and I really do love the whole lifestyle. Like you said, even if you live in an urban area with a small backyard, just adding a couple chickens and a small garden, I just think your quality of life is just so enhanced. You know, they're relaxing, and it's healthier for your family, and it's like a good family bonding thing. You know, whether you're building a coop or collecting the eggs or weeding the garden, it just makes your family spend more time outside together, I think. just such a positive thing
0: in so many ways. So Lisa, there are all kinds of breeds of chickens out there. How do we know which ones to pick?
1: That's true. I mean, I think there are over a hundred different breeds of chickens and it can get kind of overwhelming. I think when you're doing your research, before you dive into this, if you look at some of the hatchery websites, My Pet Chicken, Meyer Hatchery, I mean, there's kinds of hatcheries, but you know, they have wonderful photos of the chicks, the grown chickens, what kind of color eggs they lay. And they also have great information on temperament. You know, some chickens are just naturally more calm. Like if you have kids and you really want nice lap chickens, if you go with the Orpington family, buff Orpingtons, lavender Orpingtons, Australorps, they're all super friendly, calm, you know, whatever. And if you're not really interested in that temperament, if you go with the Leghorns or some of the blue egg layers... Like Americanas I mean they're nuts Every single one of them I've had is nuts But they lay beautiful eggs So I deal with them But temperament Definitely Almost like dogs Different breeds Do have different temperaments oh, interesting. You know so that's a consideration Definitely a consideration Then there's a lot of You know middle of the road breeds That aren't totally nuts And aren't super Friendly lap chickens But they're just fine They're just chickens You know Right <laughs> They'll be as big as you Want them to be Then you've got Issues with Mostly heat Most chickens do really well In the cold So if you live in a Super cold environment I wouldn't necessarily you know limit myself to any breeds but if you live in a hot um, area Mm -hmm. like you're in arizona you really should consider some heat tolerant breeds a lot of the mediterranean breeds the lagarns andalusians penadisencas there's lots of breeds with their they tend to have smaller bodies large combs That's how they let the heat out. And those breeds would be better, you know, so you're not dealing with heat exhaustion or something like that. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I think that there's no right or wrong breed. And I think that if you just go through, you know, a catalog or you go to your food store, and usually they'll have photos of what the grown-up chicken's going to look like. If you just pick something that appeals to you, it's going to be fine. All the breeds get along with each other for the most part. You know, there are some breeds that are a little more timid and can tend to be picked on a little bit. But really, you can't make... I don't think, terrible mistakes in picking your breed.
0: And that leads me to the next question, and that is, where do we get our chicks from?
1: There are feed stores pocket popping up all over the country. I mean, there's likely a feed store near you that will have baby chicks in the spring. That's probably the easiest. Uh, if there's a certain breed that you really, really have your heart set on, you're likely going to have to order from a hatchery or from a breeder. They ship them through the mail. It's perfectly safe. It goes fine in 99% of the cases they baby chicks hatch. they don't need to eat or drink for the first you know day or so after they hatch so they can pop them in a box, send them in the mail and they get to the feed store and they're just fine or send them to you, you know if you've ordered them right. I've done the through the mail thing and like I said most of the time it goes well, of course things happen, you know boxes get lost or held up or whatever but you know so they've been doing it for like a hundred years. I mean, I think chicks used to be delivered to feed stores by train like in the late 1800s so, They've been doing this for a long time.
0: Wow. A lot
1: of people feel like they can just order locally, and that's not really true. You can order from pretty much anywhere in the country and have your baby chicks shipped to you.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us again on the show today, Lisa.
1: Thanks. It's been fun.
0: So how can our listeners get a hold of you, find your books? Tell us a little bit about your your website and how people can find you.
1: Sure. So my website is fresheggsdaily.com. And I have tons of information. I think there's over 800 articles, you know, organized by topic. You can use the search bar, you know, if there's something specific you're looking for. You can also email me, lisa at fresh Eggs I do answer all my emails. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at fresh Eggs Daily. And my books are available. I have signed copies available on my website or they're at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever books are sold.
0: Wherever books are sold. Yeah, there you go. Give us your email address again.
1: Lisa at FreshEggsDaily.com.
0: Perfect. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at UrbanFarm.org forward slash Let's Hatch Chicks. And if you'd like to hear more from Lisa, you can find her podcasts at UrbanFarm.org forward slash daily and UrbanFarm.org forward slash Gardening with Chickens. Both these links will be on our show notes page for today's podcast. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm podcast. Raising farm animals in your backyard is not just rewarding, it's actually easier than you think, especially when you have Kari Spencer to help get you prepared. Just text CHICKENS to 33444 or visit BackyardAnimals.com and you will receive our free webinar on how to raise chickens, goats, and more. Promote biodiversity and put your backyard animals to work.